Welcome to the Secrets to Mindful Health podcast. I am your host, Beth Warren. On today's episode, we're going to speak about working through addictions and other real life challenges. Sometimes that might feel a little shameful, a little alone. I'm joined by Mitch Motivates, who in 2006, one week shy of his 19th birthday, found himself in the rehab of drug addiction. After spending time in rehab, halfway houses and collegiate recovery programs, he moved to New York and made something special of his life. He started Mitch Motivates after noticing the need for experienced independent experts in the recovery community. He has been in recovery since 2006. Yay! When he was only 19 years old, for over 17 years, Mitch has been a leader and expert in addiction, recovery, sobriety, and mental health. Welcome, Mitch. Hey, Beth. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to have you join because Mitch motivates, also motivates Beth. I follow you. I uh, like your posts. I actually even watch your stories. It's not only empowering, it, it comes from a place of authenticity and positivity. And then when I started following your actual story, it all made sense. So tell us a little bit more about your story. Beth, I would love to. Okay. So like I said, I've been in recovery since 2006. So back up just a little bit. I was always a good kid. I grew up in North Jersey, Short Hills, New Jersey. Great family. Didn't witness any trouble ever. Okay. Like I was always a good kid. And it was like right before I started getting involved in drinking and drugs, I was like playing video games and having sleepovers with like other dudes, like playing Final Fantasy. Like that was my life in high school. And then I just, I I say discovered alcohol and like something just clicked inside of me that was like, wow. It was like two other guys. We were in my friend's basement and his dad had some beers and he, and we all drank one. And I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. And before you know it, I just head to the races. It was like, this is amazing. How could I get more? And I kind of kept that up until I got sober. Um, Right away, I started stealing liquor from family and friends because I wanted to to chase that that beer that I had at my buddy's house. And drinking socially or taking sips or going to parties just didn't make sense to me. What made sense is I just found this thing. It feels really good. So why would I do it with other people? Why not just do it on my, on my own and get as much as possible? So I started stealing bottles of wine. I started taking liquor from like my parents bottles that they've never, that they got as gifts and never drank and then replacing it with water. Uh, I think the stupidest thing I ever did is my, my dad had a bottle of absolute vodka in the freezer. And I remember replace drinking it and then replacing that with water. And then it froze. <laughs> and he like <laughs> took the bottle and he, and he, and he, and he is like, what is this? Uh, do you have any idea? And I just played dumb. And then for me, it got, I got off to the races very quickly. The same kind of mentality I had with with alcohol, I, I moved on to smoking weed. And then it was just easier at that point to get weed and marijuana because drug dealers don't cart. I was under 21. I was 15, 16. Mm. So I started smoking weed every day like I did with the alcohol, but it was easier to get. I was also probably the worst drug dealer of all time. 
Uh, if you watch the movie Scarface, you know, you know, the top two rules for being a drug dealer are number one, don't be a chaser. And number two, don't get high on your own supply. You know, mm. and I was uh, I was both of those. So I started smoking weed every day and then I had different groups of friends. And, and that's when I started making the lifestyle changes because of my addiction. I started making new friends and, and hanging out with different people than, than, I, than I had known and became friends with my whole life. Mm-hmm. One, of the, one of the groups, the, one of the girls that, uh, of, of a group of people I used to smoke weed with, she was like, have you ever tried cocaine? Mm. Um, and I was like, no, but at that point I was just doing so much that I was like, why not? And this is in high school money. Mm. And so there I got experience to cocaine and introduced to that. And that took me downhill real quick. Um, I started doing Coke the same way I did the weed, the same way I did the alcohol. Why do it with anyone else? This feels really good. Let me get mm-hmm. as much of it as possible and do it. So here I am in high school, like doing cocaine before class, uh, you know, and that was kind of my vibe. Mm-hmm. So, so I progressed very quickly downhill and graduation night from high school, I got arrested. Um, I was, I was smoking weed and drunk um, in a 7-Eleven and, and someone, a uh, fellow patron saw us, called the police. By the time we left, a cop car cut me off and uh, I spent the night uh, graduation night of high school handcuffed to a chair that was my first time I got arrested mm. um and um yeah I I went off to college I went to Indiana University um again same attitude this feels good let me do it as much as possible and I don't care about the consequences um so I was doing a lot of cocaine and my day was like wake up how do I get money what scam am I gonna pull today you know you know, because it didn't matter to eat. It didn't matter to sleep. It didn't matter to hang out with friends or parties or girls. Nothing mattered except doing drugs. And I was just like full-blown addict. And mm-hmm. I didn't really shower. The only time I showered was to clean out my nose because of the cocaine. Right. Um, you were completely I consumed. Lost control. Exactly. Yes. And I remember, and, and and I say this as like kind of a joke, but it's true, like, if you think about if you don't live in Florida and you think about moving to Florida, you may be an addict. Or if you think, and if you're young enough, and I also thought about joining the army. I'm not mm. kidding. I was researching because I wanted a fresh start and I couldn't get out of what I was doing because I couldn't stop. So and, you at know, this a famous... point, you're saying you were recognizing you were in this entire world. Yes. But you somehow recognized that you needed to get out of it. I mean, yes, but it was like kind of like you're drowning, no one's around, and like you're sticking your hand out. Like, like I I couldn't stop, Beth. And we have this saying, one is too many, a thousand's never enough. And that's kind of like my vibe. Like mm-hmm. I, I couldn't stop, but I wanted to. But I that just was, couldn't and stop. And that's what I was, was gonna ask. Um, at this point or at what point did it start to become something, if at all? a little more publicly noticeable, whether with family or other yes. friends. Yeah, I mean, back in high school, people started, like I was at Indiana at this point, but back in high school, like friends that I grew up with sent anonymous letters to my parents that I had changed and that I was doing this. And then I got arrested. One time my parents caught me driving um, drunk. I was home past curfew. It was raining. I had a flat tire. Like I, I was just causing trouble and I always like got out of it. I, I always either lied or made up an excuse as to why I was doing what I was doing. 
And then fast forward to college, I remember the, I failed out of every sem- class the first semester. I come back the second semester and the guys on my floor in my dorm were looking up rehabs in Indiana to send me. Like mm-hmm. they, they knew I had they a problem. Knew. Yeah. Hmm. April of my freshman year, this is 2006. I come home to my, this is my bottom. I came home for a, a family event, my cousin's bat mitzvah. So I come back to Jersey from Indiana. I, end up, I ended up running away because I went, I couldn't stop. So not even being around my family or that I had places to be, you know, would stop me. So I ran away to some motel, got a bunch of drugs, ran away to some motel room. And this was like Friday night. Sunday comes around. My parents had filed a missing persons report, like back of the milk carton. Um, and I hear a knock on my door and it's five police officers. They found me. They took me to a hospital and my family came to the hospital. They took me and I told them I had a problem. And a week later, I was a rehab. I, did, I, I just, that, just so you know, I just took a breath for you when you said I have a problem. I, I wonder yeah, if that I was cry. that type was of moment. Crying. Yeah. Yeah, I was crying because like that, the jig was up and I was like almost felt relieved mm. that I was that like I was in the hospital. I remember it. My family came. I had IVs in my arm and I said I had a problem and I need help. And I started I, crying. I'm and then tearing up for you because a lot of people hit a rock bottom and including myself, it's a very scary place yet. I relate exactly to what you're saying because it sort of feels more like a surrender and a yes. relief that it's out of your hands. You're recognizing it's more than what you can do for yourself, but then that's also okay. It's also okay. Yes. yes. And then, yes. So, I mean, so that started my journey in recovery. That was April, 2006. Um, and then like the rest of you know, from then till now, you know, I've tried to live this sober life based off principles um, and in recovery. Um, since then, the first two years, I had a couple relapses and they weren't easy. And I, that means like every couple months, I, 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 I picked up something, drink, drug, pills, whatever. But since I've been 21, since 2008, I've been sober since August 25th. 2008 I haven't touched a drink or a drug wow. and I'm very proud of that and and I've done and I've spent my whole adult life trying to educate and kind of share my story of what I did to get to where I'm at because it is not normal I I hit the lottery like I literally got so lucky Beth. right um and I'm grateful and I know that and 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 that's why I was like you asked me to be on the podcast you know in a second, yes, that, that's what I like doing, sharing my story. I've been doing it since I was 19. Right. I think what was a, a lot was super telling about your story. First of all, I appreciate you sharing it and so openly mm-hmm. and incredibly mm-hmm. methodically. So I see that you have a lot of clarity around everything you've been through and where you are today. There was a lot of things that popped out for me that I feel other people might want to know. For example, like going mm-hmm. way back to the beginning and you put it so well how you just had something it did something and then the whole thing unraveled like it seemed like it was sort of just like that like very sequential but obvious so what can people look out for um when i mean the reality is is let's say people do want to try new things or do want to experiment like how can they maybe even set themselves up realistically or practically speaking so they can be mindful of things to be careful about. And it doesn't, it could relate to alcohol, drugs, or it could just be relating to anything that's 
a little bit, let's say outside a comfort zone, or even these days, psychedelics or certain things that are even considered um, used for therapeutical purposes, but we all need to be careful about. So how do we help people kind of do things carefully, mindfully, and what to look out for? Yeah, I mean, Beth, that's a great question. And, I, and I've been saying this a lot recently, There, there is never you're never too young. You never have to hit a bottom where you get arrested or you get sent to the hospital because of drugs or alcohol or whatever that you say, oh, that's the, now I'm going to get sober. Like if, you know, if someone, there's so many resources out there for help, whether it's therapy or treatment centers or inpatient, outpatient, whatever it is, support or support groups that you can get sober anytime. You just have to say, I want to get sober that day, you know? So there's never a wrong time to, to get sober. But you ask a great question. And I did drugs and alcohol with many people. And mm-hmm. I was the only one that went to rehab. Mm-hmm. So you either have a problem or you don't. You kind of, you kind of, the only person that could diagnose someone with an addiction, it's a self-diagnosed disease. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you, you would know if like, you know, for me, my experience was that I like felt deep down inside that I like needed another one. Like there's like, it's almost like the devil came on my shoulder and said, you need another one. Like there's something like triggers in my brain mm-hmm. that I, you know, and I said, one is too many, a thousand's enough. Meaning like I can't have one. Cause if I have one, I want a thousand, you know? Yeah. So like you, you, you know, I did it drugs and alcohol with a lot of people. I was the only one that, that took it to that next level. And they, you know, if you don't have a problem, you're able to stop. I mean, it's like that with anything. Like if you don't have a problem with candy, you can have a cup. Like one of my cousins takes a month to finish a, a, a bag of Sour Patch. Like mm-hmm. she doesn't have a problem with sugar. Oh, I can relate you know to I mean? that as a dietitian. But, so Exactly. But mm-hmm. someone else can go to a movie and finish a bag of Sour Patch in 20 minutes. Right. So like maybe you have a problem. So you just know it's a self-diagnosed thing. I completely um, get that. So, so, so that's kind of my message. And my message is more not on like, how do you know? It's if you want help, let me show you how. And I could point out all the different ways, you know. Yes. And that leads me to my next question, because it's Mm -hmm. great that you're expressing that. And it's great that there's so many resources people could reach out to. I know you even make yourself accessible in many capacities. And if someone wants to DM you on even the direction to take. However, now the question becomes, why don't people reach out for help even when they aren't honest? And I would feel that there is more of a sense of shame or a real sense of aloneness. Maybe nobody cares I'm not sure. I mean, I would love to hear your perspective. Why, what would be the challenge in someone reaching out for help and how can we help them overcome that? Yeah. Well, I would say the stigma of it, uh, there's still, you know, we used to say we're in the dark ages of, of addiction in terms of treatment because there's a stigma, you know, if you think alcoholic, you think like a drunk older dude with gray hair at a bar who like lost his job and like, you know, is like works a blue collar job and like just got laid off. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's like a, the thing you, you think drug addict, you think like guy who like will break into a car to like steal a dollar bill to like buy crack. You know what I mean? You, mm-hmm. you don't think of like successful woman CEO who like, who like takes pills and like, like hides it from the world. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like you don't, yeah. but like, 
you know, addicts come in all shapes, forms. It doesn't die. It doesn't discriminate against religion, skin color, sexuality, whatever. Absolutely. Um, so like that is, that is like the number one thing. Like, so like there's a stigma. So that's why I'm so open about sharing my story because I want to, uh, and I want to be detailed. I want to say I'm from short Hills. I'm Jewish. I'm white. I, you know, I want to give examples so the person can identify, you know what I mean? Yes. Because it, I want people, whatever it is, I want to say, if I say one thing about me that someone could be like, oh, I drive a BMW, you know, right. you know, whatever it is, like, I want them to identify, not compare, and then maybe use that to build off, like asking for help some way. And, and I also want to provide resources like 12 step support groups, for example, or anonymous. 12-step support groups since the pandemic. There's a million on Zoom. So you can go to an, a Zoom 12-step meeting, put your, put your, change your name and leave your, leave the video off on Zoom and observe. Mm -hmm. As long as you do it in a meeting that says open, you can do that. So there's people um, need to know about what's out there. There's so many resources. But the first thing I say for resources is either professional help like therapy that is because it's like legal they're legally bond like they're they legally have to not tell anyone mm -hmm. so that's a safe space or a 12-step support group which is free and they have many different ones eating sex drugs alcohol whatever it is mm -hmm. and you could go that's where i would start yes and they don't even have to have expectations going in you could just leave it on in the background and just say, okay, fine. I'm just here. That's fine. And see how exactly. you feel and keep showing up and keep showing up. It's like anything in life, just keep showing up for yourself. Like you just have to keep yeah. showing up. Um, yeah. one telling thing that you said in your story as well is you made a point to reference the shift in people around you. And mm -hmm. when you were in your addiction, you noticed the people around you and the people you were keeping, how that might have enabled or been relevant to the situation. And now I see follow your social media and you're doing your soul cycle workouts and you just, you always in such a beautiful way, have people around you. It seems even your dogs yes. around you, it seems. And how did that play a factor in it? Is, I think that seems like another red flag people can point out when they also notice their friends start shifting um, and then how to kind of pull that back together in a way that works for you and build like such a beautiful yes. community for yourself. What? Look, if you get down to like basic human nature, like humans are like, we're tribal creatures. And we've done that since we were cavemen, right? Like cave men and women, whatever. Cave people. We were in, we were, we're tribal. So like, yes, the, one of the first things I did that has helped my sobriety is that community. And over the years, it's morphed into different ways. But for the first couple of years, like outside of my family, it was like sober people, young, sober guys, like only people that were doing the same exact things that I was doing. Community, I am very heavily influenced, I know, by who's around me. So mm -hmm. I have to set boundaries and do a good job at it. Um, That's in a Jewish book called Perkei Avot, about watching the people who you keep company with. So, exactly. And and it's it's funny. true. And because and I know that. So like I said no to in when I was new, if someone didn't benefit me, I didn't hang out with them. And that was like a new thing for me, but it helped me stay sober. And then I, you know, my journey real quick about where I lived in sobriety is I went to rehab for four months. Then I went to a halfway house 
owned by a guy that used to work at a rehab. It was all sober guys. Then I lived in an apartment in the Poconos where the halfway house was with guys from that house. Hmm. Then I moved to, then I went to Rutgers University for three years. They have a program for students in recovery. So I was only around people that were in recovery. Hmm. Then I moved to New York City with one of the guys I met at the recovery house who was sober. And then I didn't move out on my own in New York until I, I had such a community in New York of sober people that I felt comfortable in my routine. And then it was only then that I started, I call them sober adjacent communities. You mentioned the workout community, like fitness, health, wellness, like nutrition. Those people are amazing. I don't care what their journey. And I rather them not be sober because now I'm into like making normal, like people that are not, addicts like as friends like i like that community because we have the same goal health wellness life right. as i do but, but i see that evolution in that story exactly yes. but i see your evolution in being ready for that step everything exactly. again, you, you very well put your sequential um way that you got here to be able and ready to be like oh now i can actually be around non-sober people look at that you know and but yes. with that wellness focus you know that it's still aligned with the values that you see within yourself I, I mean that to me out of everything you said um that was even more mind-blowing to me to set up that network that is not easy like you're saying there's a lot of resources let's say to get help whether someone takes it or not I'm not saying whether or not that's easy or not I'm just saying these days that step is there for somebody the building your own community, you set that up. You, you, you need that's where your work should be. Having literally that pathway that you carved for yourself. I see yes. on from the outside looking in how it all led to each other, but you had to make all those decisions. You had to still put those pieces into place, which I totally commend you for because you didn't allow yourself the ability to step out. You that's what's important here is that not only in the moments and in the moments of the rock bottom is it okay to quote unquote reach out or make sense to reach out or okay now i need help we still need to set ourselves up in a protective way that makes sense not a yes. caged way not a cage right so there's always a balance it's not avoiding having a social life because you want to be afraid it's having the social life but being responsible for yourself and all your work and where you see yourself and being honest and comfortable and then setting that network up for yourself beautifully and then to see that you're now even stepping into uh, how you feel about being around people not sober i mean i just think that's very commendable thank you thank you and can you know community is 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 huge so i i there's so many different ways you could be involved with sober with a sober recovery community and i just like we don't even have enough time to talk about it it's just it's a beautiful thing and technology has helped tremendously that's why i love doing podcasts mm -hmm. i want the person who's right now driving in idaho to be able to listen to a recovery story of a guy from new jersey right you know what i mean Definitely, because I always feel, first of all, in general, that anyone you meet in your path or have a conversation with, even the cashier in the grocery store, which is why I moved back to Jersey, because I like to be friendly <laughs> from New York, but is is a meant to be story. So I would love if someone hears this and even anything that you said that you might have felt wasn't even impactful necessarily, even everything you said that was sort of sets a spark off in someone to be like, wait a second, 
let me think about this. Or like you said, this guy sounds sort of just like me in some ways. And how did I find myself here? I think awareness is the first step. I, like I said, you, you seem to have recognized the, the something early on that wasn't feeling right. And I think that's important for people to take away. Like when something doesn't, when, when it feels like something you must have, you need to have, like you, you kind of know in some way that it isn't, I guess we'll use the word normal, or it is more of an addictive thing um, than the shifting of the friends. And then from there, the decisions you start making and then it just sort yeah. of just consumes your life and loses a bunch of years. But pulling yourself out of it, now you're, yeah, I mean, I would love for you to say what you do because you're not only just in this recovery journey, you've set up a whole life for yourself and your profession too. So you're you're very focused and driven. And now you also recently ran the marathon. So I'd yeah. love for you to continue the thought on to also help people keep focused, motivated, right? Mitch motivates, um, keep focused, motivates and driven towards your goal because you're very, you, you seem very heavily driven. Yeah, I mean- a hundred percent. And, and I always go back and forth with this because I like to set the bar high and I like to show people, I, I like, I'm a man of action and I like to show people through action, how you could be living your life because that's how I learned. You know, I always used to say like, um, and, and I still say this, you know, I didn't know you could do two workout classes in the same day until I saw someone doing three in the same day. I'm like, look at her. So, you know, I'm torn between that kind of level of motivation by just setting the bar so high with how I, what I do and how I live my life and saying, you know what, if you're struggling with fitness, why don't you start with a 10 minute walk? Mm -hmm. Okay. So I'm somewhere in between, right? but and I'm telling you that, yeah doing what I do as a dietitian, I also box and this and that I'm always very careful to say, and people come to me a little intimidated thinking, uh, I'm going to tell them to get in a boxing ring. I always clarify that I only show the example of what I need and the type of personality, what I have going on in my life is yes. what I need to do for myself. But for you, it could totally be yes. anything that I just tell people to of be course. consistent and to feel good in what they're doing, even though if that might take time, but they should yeah feel good my, whatever they're doing yes and my style has always been like explain it to me like um, like in the movie philadelphia denzel washington's character the lawyer always says explain it to me like i'm a six-year-old that's mm -hmm. my style because i you know when i look at people doing amazing things i always want to know can you just tell me how you do it please that's what the most thing so how i did it is when i was in recovery all i would do was smoke cigarettes be unhealthy, drink Red Bull and drink a lot of coffee and like be unhealthy because I got sober in the way anything except drugs and alcohol. Mm -hmm. And then over the years, I worked on everything else. So I used to smoke a lot of cigarettes. And then one day I surrounded myself with healthy people. And Zach, my friend Zach said, do you want to run the marathon? And I was like, something clicked. I was like, you know what? If I run the New York City, this was in 2014. If I run the New York City Marathon, maybe I could use this to quit smoking. Mm. And then and then I realized that if you can walk, you can run. Unless you physically can't run a marathon. Like, if you can run, you can run a marathon. Mm -hmm. Like, it's, if you train properly, you can do it. And mm -hmm. I just, like, when that clicked, I, I decided to run. 
another one. So that was my seventh marathon. I ran three halves oh, and I'm like wow. getting into fitness. It's, it went from wanting to quit smoking and being unhealthy to being like, holy shit, if I could run a marathon, like if I could run a mile, I could do two and then I right. could do 10. And, and I trained very well for the first couple marathons and I did it. And now, yeah, I run marathons. Um, I, I do uh, all kind of fitness classes, yoga, boot camp classes, cycling classes. Um, and and being healthy through fitness and wellness is an essential part of my recovery today. And I like to share about what I'm doing to inspire others. Right. And that makes so much sense because wellness is a circle, you know, there's, and that's why even in nutrition and diets and whatever, I don't speak only that language because it's all related to each other and everything helps each other and everything helps pick up the slack of the other. So you're setting yourself up for success by seeing wellness as this not only community, but whole system in place that you can work into. So how can we help you on this journey? Like what can we do help to help you to follow you to support you through this where when's the Mitch motivates book coming out like what's happening yeah. did I just create that as a thing that you oh, did you write? did you know I was writing a book no are you I just was saying you yeah, sound yeah. very ready to to put your message out there no yes yeah. so look it started with the Instagram okay and then what what helped is like which is when at I took Mitch, Mitch motivates so everyone follows yeah, Mitch, Instagram Mitch at motivates Mitch. one word one way. My email is Mitch at MitchMotivates.com. My website is MitchMotivates.com. My TikTok and Instagram handles are Mitch Motivates. We just keep it simple for the six-year-olds, like I said. Keep yes. it like I'm a six-year-old. Keep it simple. Um, so I it started with the Instagram. And then when I took when I started Mitch Motivates as kind of like a recovery mental health consulting company, um, doing coaching, doing all this stuff, like that, then it took it to another level. And now I have another full-time job. So this is kind of like a passion fun project. Mm -hmm. I work, I work in plastic surgery for the most amazing guy. And um, so now I really can do this for fun. So I started doing podcasts and then I had an idea just organically through Instagram, through friendships. I met a woman. She had a book publisher. So last year I got a book deal with this publisher, Postal oh, Press. Yeah, and it's set to come out in January. Yeah, okay, it's a story so we're going to about... look forward for that. Yep. And again, I don't know exact details now, but um, we're setting up a book tour in New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, Florida, Philadelphia, California. Um, so it hopefully it will come out in January like it's supposed to. And it's a memoir about my life slash self-help book. And I just I like that. broke it down like exactly chronologically um, how I kind of did with you, my story of recovery up until this second, you know, um, like, and each part of my life, I broke down into a tip and I want it to be like a self-help book and like give people from all walks of life tips on living better on health, on wellness, on mental health, on physical fitness, but most importantly on recovery from addiction, because that is who I am. I, I'm sober and I'm happy about it. I am clean and sober. I do not take any substance that affects me from the neck up with the exception of nicotine, caffeine, and sugar. Oh. And sugar, and, 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 and that's kind of a joke from this old recovery guy. Uh, but but yeah, so I'm sober from drugs and alcohol. And, I'm really um, I'm really proud of you. Yeah. I'm so proud I'm to hear that. I want to thank you so much for thank your you story and sharing it. And everyone could reach out to at Mitch Motivates um, anytime. He is very accessible and ready to help, yes. as you can see. And 
only good from here continuing onwards and we'll look out for your book. Thank you, best. Okay. Thanks. Thank you for having me. Baruch Hashem. <laughs> thanks. Don't forget to tune in for more episodes on Spotify and be sure to follow us on TikTok at Instagram at Nourished by Beth for more wellness ideas. Don't forget to tune in for more episodes on Spotify and be sure to follow us on TikTok at Instagram at Nourished by Beth for more wellness ideas.